Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. The words when I uh, spoke to my mum and dad about, because uh, my mum's so passionate about football. Hmm. And when I said to her mum, it looks like I got an opportunity to sign for Arsenal. Hmm. Why Arsenal? I'm Nigel Winterburn, ex-professional footballer. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> Nigel, I wonder how you would describe yourself as a player to someone who was too young to have seen you play. How, how would you ever describe yourself? Uh, committed, aggressive, uh, made the most of my ability, uh, a passion to play football as... I still have, even at uh, 55 years of age. Mm-hmm. Um, still as competitive now as I was when I was probably 10, 12, 14, mm-hmm. going through to to uh, joining Birmingham and then on to uh, Arsenal and, and West Ham. So, uh, yeah, probably that's the best way to describe me, but, but quite quiet yeah. and a different person off the pitch. And do you think that competitive spirit and that aggression it was absolutely key into you having a, the career you had? Yes, and I think also part of it was uh, at a very, very early age being released by Birmingham City as well, right. which gave me the drive to prove quite a few people wrong. So if you think about losing a game of football, it's really not significant to thinking that you know when you get released from a club and I had a bad game, I'd just put the two together... Uh, and remember how painful that was. Yeah. 
Uh, Try and maintain and, some perspective, basically. Yeah, and then and then work from and then work from there back to regaining uh, top form, which was you know to to drive you forward. What was the story behind you being released from Birmingham? How old were you at the time? Well, I literally, I got uh, picked up by Birmingham about three months before I left school. Right. So I was actually looking for a job. You didn't Just, think you were going to become a No, I didn't think, no, no. I was from a small village. I was literally playing uh, men's football. I was playing for my local team. I was playing for a team near me as well, Sunday League football. Uh, obviously, I was playing for uh, my school team and uh, Nuneaton schools. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, uh, one Saturday afternoon, I was, uh, got selected to play for Nuneaton schools. Uh, and after the we'd played the game, Scout from Birmingham City came up to me and said that uh, with my parents he'd been watching the game and would I be interested in going over for a trial uh, with Birmingham? So I did two, I did two trials with them, and um, I was a midfield player. Mm. And in the first trial, it was we just it was literally just a group of of players that they'd selected young young players. Um, they literally picked two 11-a-side teams. There was about 28 of us there, so obviously everyone wasn't getting a game. And they didn't have a left-back for one of the teams. It was only, From what they'd selected for the trial, there was only one left-back, and so they sort of asked who, if anyone was willing to, to play left-back. So I just really thought, do you know what? There's usually a lot of midfield players yeah, around. Yeah. I might, I've got the opportunity. There's a good chance I'm going to play. If we've only got one left-back, and I'll say I'll play left-back, that makes the second one. I could get to play the whole game. Yeah. So I'm thinking, play the whole game rather than a bit of the game is going to put you in the spotlight a little bit more. So I just said that I would play there. And I played the first game, and after the game, they invited me back for another trial. We did a similar sort of thing. They had another game, but this time they said to me, oh, no, you're playing left-back mm. in this game. I played left-back, and at the end of the trial, they uh, they they invited me to sign apprentice forms for them. Mm. So that's really how it, started. How, how it really started. And at that point, because you'd had a taste of the biscuit, were you thinking at that point, right now, this is the career for me type thing? Oh, yeah, once I... Um, not even a uh, career, but given the opportunity just to sign as an as, as an apprentice at a professional club. Mm. I mean, my, with my the, I, you know, all I ever thought about was playing football, but not professionally. Yeah. So for me, it was like a dream. Yeah. You know, go and work somewhere, or go and work and do something you absolutely love. Yeah. Even at that very very young age, you know, I'm what's coming up sixteen, so I'm nearly coming up seventeen. Yeah. Uh, leaving school. Um, thinking what you're going to do and then get that off opportunity. And I was like, yep, thank you very much. Mm. I'll I'll take that. And uh, my contract at that time was £12 a week right. and £12 a week driving expenses. It? Okay, it's right. absolutely, when different I think world. that, it's yeah. a different world. What do you think you got were released from the club? Well, what happened was that uh, Jim Smith was the manager mm. at Birmingham City. So, at the end, uh, you know, I was getting some revenge, uh, uh, some rave reviews mm. in that first season and at the end of the first season I got uh, took off the uh, apprentice contract signed a pro contract mm-hmm. started to that second season uh, Mark Dennis was the left back at Birmingham at the time and uh, he got injured and uh, Jim Smith called me in on the Friday, a Friday morning and said like I'm going to like you're playing in the, in the first team, did all the stuff on the Friday at the training ground, which travelled to, I think it was Brighton we were we were playing, travelled down on the Friday, Saturday morning, he called me into his uh, room and said, like, I still think you might be 
a little bit too young, so I'm right. going to change. I'm going to put it was Archie Gemmell actually. He put Archie Gemmell left back. Right. He said, "I'll make you. I'm going to make you sub for the day." What were you? 18 at the time. Uh, yeah, coming up to 18. Yeah. Okay. And um, so obviously I was gutted, but still privileged to be part of that first team. So I was sub for, for that game, and then. Obviously, after that, Mark Dennis regained fitness. He came back in. Shortly after that, Jim Smith got the sack. Mm. Ron Saunders came in. Uh, and literally, the players that were sort of youth team come, reserve team players, there was about 12 of us uh, in the period. I man remember getting called into his office uh, and he just basically said, we're gonna re we don't think you're good enough. We're going to release you at the end of the season. Obviously, we'll circulate your name and... Hmm. You know, see if we can put you up with, get you sorted out with another club. But they don't really, they're not really that interested in once they decide that you're not good enough. When you look back on that um, through 2019 eyes, you look at yourself as an 18 year old, and I don't, I haven't obviously have no idea what type of kid you were at 18. But do you not think that's the way that's been dealt with? There's really harsh. Yeah, it's brutal. Yeah. Uh, absolutely, because you are you you've got that excitement of literally when you first join the club, as as I said to you, something about uh, professional football. Even at that, you know, even at the, the uh, sign as an apprentice, the chance to go in every single day, train and then play at the, the weekend. Sometimes in, in midweek, getting to do something you want to do, mm. and then a year and a half to two years later, you're being told, well, actually. Yeah. This is, you know, you're you're not good enough to do this, which still happens. I think a lot, a lot, lot. Do you think a lot of kids would have retreated into their shell hearing that news and never had a career after that because it would affected them so badly? Possibly. I mean, you know, as they say to you, and I think a lot of a lot of uh, people as well, uh, they use agents um, and they rely on the clubs. Yes, the clubs send out a form to circulate your name that you've been released, but. To me, it's a, it, for me, it was about being proactive then. Uh, yeah. And I was straight, as soon as I'd been released at the end of, you know, obviously I got released and I, I straight on the phone to uh, Jim Smith who had moved to Oxford. Mm. And I literally said, look, I've just been uh, released. Is there any chance you would consider that I can, uh, uh, for the start of the following season, mm. could I just come down and train? I just mm. want need somewhere to train, see if I can find a club. And then he said, yeah, just give me a call again, like sort of start of July. Mm. And you can you can come down and train. And he was absolutely fantastic with me. We mm. you know they put me up uh, in a house in Diggs. Uh, I went in to, to meet him first first day first training session, and he just said, "Look, we'll give you a six month contract. It's not a problem. Let's let's see where we where we get to." And I'd been there for about three weeks, and uh, he said to me that uh, Wimbledon were looking for a left-back. Mm. Their left-back at that time, with Wimbledon coming up through non-league and into the yeah. lower leagues, had gone away. To, I think it was Norway, they said, had gone. Right. They got into these playoffs, uh, and uh, uh, Dave Bassett was looking for a left-back for the pre-season because mm. uh, he wasn't going to be back in time. Right. <laughs> it's absolutely incredible. It's crazy. The story's yeah, right. just incredible. Yeah. Um, so I'm thinking... Well, I've got a six-month contract at Oxford. Hmm. I've got another club in Wimbledon that potentially um, I've got the opportunity to sign for as well. So I went, I went straight down to, after three weeks at Oxford. I went straight down to uh, to Wimbledon, hmm. and uh, 
I know for sure because Dave Bassett tells the story for a while. He said, I met this unassuming, quiet young man on the motorway in his car. And I'm yeah. thinking, what's Jim Smith done to me here? Yeah, yeah. Um, so he said, I was a bit reluctant to put him in any of the teams because I thought he, you know, and, and uh, I needed to watch him a bit in training because I thought he might get eaten alive, eaten alive yeah, yeah. By, the, by some of my players. Yeah. But he said, just when I, so I, he, I think one of the players got injured in in uh, in one of the games. He said, "I just got to put him on. Yeah. I'll have to put him on. Just try him." And he said, "I just put this young lad on." He said, "It was just like the character. Yeah, just changed." He said, yeah. "It was just like I couldn't believe what I was seeing." He said, "It's like this guy just became so aggressive." Yeah. It was just like he was in love with the game and he just, just said there and then, I've just got to sign him. So. When, when, I, when I did some research around before I knew we were going to be doing this, everyone said the same thing, that you're the nicest man, but on the pitch you were like, insanely in, intense. Uh, I think my wife <laughs> describes it as you are a different monster. Right, okay, okay. Yeah. Um, and but, but, but do you consider yourself part of the crazy gang? Fully paid up member? Uh, well, I think that, I yes, in terms mm. of the players I was with, mm. I think the the word the crazy gang came about a bit more after they won yeah. the yeah. the cup final. That's Obviously, right. I left the year before, but yeah. it was certainly crazy. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah. And, and you were am yeah. I right? Am I right in saying you were supporters player of the year every season you were there? Yes, I was. Yeah, that's amazing, yeah, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, very proud of it. Four, yeah. four years running. Yeah, I think, but after the third time, I think the four years they just gave it me out of uh, sympathy. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, you know, I love to be honest with you, I loved it at Wimbledon. Mm. I mean, you know, we only got six thousand supporters at, at home. We probably took a couple of hundred away, but I, in a way, I think it mirrored the the start of my career where everybody sort of hated Wimbledon everybody expect them to lose every mm. single week mm. we were always tipped to be relegation favourites mm. and it was again it was a team that was put together by <laughs> players that had been rejected really a lot of them mm. Harry Bassett put a, a great team together it knew its limitations but boy did it have a togetherness it yeah. worked hard and it scared a lot of teams and a lot of teams couldn't deal with it and I think that sort of drove me to to want to be uh, successful within that team as well because of what had happened with me at Birmingham. So it just pushed me, yeah. push, kept pushing and pushing as hard as I could. Do you think that you, the team became greater than the sum of its parts just because of this reputation and this team spirit that you'd fostered there? We certainly, well, nobody wanted to play us. Yeah. That's for sure, particularly yeah. at, particularly at, at, at Plough Lane. I mean, when you've got Vinnie Jones and Fashionu yeah. in your team, Dennis, Dennis Wise, I mean, yeah. you know... Uh, some of these guys were coming, particularly with with Finney and and Fash, and yeah. they would like to mix it up, yeah, uh, a, a little bit. So I think our, you know, I think our reputation as a team and the way we played long ball into mm. the corners mm. and then get the ball down, or more or less play as you want in the final third, but mm. you know, don't lose the ball in your own half. Mm. Um, People hated hated playing that way. Yeah. They knew they were in for a physical battle. Had to be very very committed, and a lot of players didn't want to didn't, didn't want to match that. How? I mean, one question I've always wanted to ask a member of of this Wimbledon side of this era is how Dave Bassett was able to keep harmony in the dressing room with so many big characters. And I'm not saying you weren't all pals and you didn't get on, but, but in my experience, when there's a lot of big personalities in like an enclosed space, it can be quite difficult to manage. Yeah, how do they do that? I don't know. I think we all realise where well, we came from. Were there bust-ups all the time? Uh, well, it was, well, I don't know whether it was so much bust-ups because we did some crazy, crazy things with 
Dave Bassett. I remember playing, you know, a British Bulldog on a Friday Friday morning in mm. in training after the team was selected, right for the for the Saturday and the players that weren't playing. You could see there was a lot of aggression there. Trying to get someone injured. Trying to get someone injured. Saying I could get in the, in the, in yeah. the team here and yeah. a lot of a lot of uh, you know a lot a lot of tag where it, it turned out to almost full force rugby. Right. Yeah. So there's a lot of crazy things going on. Yeah, but he was um, good at sort of managing the egos. Yeah, he and... just, I think, you know, I think Dave was crazy anyway as well. He right. just, he just, he just let it go and let the players sort it out. But it wasn't not really that many. I can't think back and think of too many altercations when, right, when, uh, when, when I was there, if I was honest. But you're saying you're right. I mean, there were some, there were some big characters there uh, uh, as well. Were you always as intense in training as you were in games? No. Okay, right. Terrible. <laughs> were you? You weren't a good trainer. No, I was uh, bad. Were you? Yeah, yeah. To start, to start with. Um, so you really came alive in the, on a match day. So yeah. You, to understand yeah. you as a player, a manager needs to have seen you play a match, basically. Yes. Yeah. Okay. If you see me in training, you definitely don't sign me. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, right. That's for sure. I'm, I'm probably last pick at five side. <laughs> okay. Right. Uh, and if I got the option, I'd usually go in goal right, rather okay. than be out on a pitch. <laughs> uh, but that did ch- that sort of. But that yeah. But when I but for me the excitement was the match day, sure. the, the build up to it, walking out of that tunnel uh, with the crowd, that edge that it gave you, that little bit of the the knot inside your stomach. Mm. You're super confident in what you can do, but you're not quite sure of the of the outcome, and you've got teammates around you that have got to pull as hard as you're pulling mm. to make sure that you get the result and that's when that's if you speak to most people that uh have played with me or know me very very well is is yeah match days when i right when i when you're i come the, come alive you're when, a different animal when, when yeah when the when the battle begins yeah i'm, I'm ready to play do you think um every well people have certainly of my age uh, and, and around that age will know of Dave Bassett as a coach because of what happened at Wimbledon. Do you think um, he gets enough credit for, for what he did there? Because people kind of think of that era as a bit more of the stories rather than what they achieved, don't they? Probably not, but I'd hope to think that they, if they look back and read the history of the club... Hmm. Uh, did you what... rate him as a manager? Yeah, I did, because to get a group of guys in that a lot of them have been rejected by other clubs hmm. pick them up bring them in mould them together you might not agree with the style he played I mean listen now I'd hate to watch that style of play hmm. but when you're involved in it when you're winning hmm. when you're travelling up through those leagues and you're trying to prove people wrong hmm. uh, you just go with, with with the style particularly if you're in the team every single week yeah. uh, as well you know that that helps. Did you not ever think I'd quite like to play this inside and go on the overlap and try and get a few more crosses? Well, listen, you you had that. I mean, we did that on many many occasions, but you know, it was, there was a system to play. You could break the system mm. and play, but if you lost the ball breaking system, you're in trouble. You're in trouble. Yeah. But if you played, if you broke the system and it all worked out okay, yeah. Then he he was he was fine with that. There was a there was a basis there to play. This is how you want to play. Mm. But if something else was on, mm. and you saw that within a game, and you did it, and it, it worked out fine, mm. then uh, you know there's not a lot of lot you can say about that. No. A, Would you get a fine if you kept doing it and, it, and losing the ball though? Uh, I don't think you got a fine, but you get a bit of uh, what I'd class as harsh words that probably wouldn't be accepted <laughs> these days in, uh, in in modern football. What, what, that's an interesting point, actually. We we I've never had an ex-pro in here 
who hasn't said, one of the problems is these days that the youngsters, they don't clean the dressing rooms, they don't clean the boots, they don't all that kind of stuff anymore, and they should. Um, and I'm sure you would agree with that, right? Yeah, I do. I think it's um, I think it's an education in where you are in life, where mm. you are within the pyramid of, let's say, your football club. Mm. So it's no different to me at Birmingham. When I went in as apprentice, I was given six players... Six players to clean their boots. Um, which clean the boots, you then go in. You may have signed another duty of getting the kit ready, take to the to the to the lady or the gentleman who needed to wash the kit, get the kit ready for next training session. Uh, and then on a Friday, if there was a Saturday game, you go to the ground. Someone would be assigned to clean the minibus. Someone mm. to clean the home dress rooms, away dressing rooms, toilets, baths, whatever. You were assigned a job, and I think that was, to me, that's part of like the pyramid of being a, a footballer. And then once you step onto the next level, those duties, if you like, diminish. Mm. Uh, and then once you become the aim is to be for me. The aim was, well, I want to be one of the top players. I want mm. somebody to be cleaning my boots. Why don't you think they do it now? Uh, they call it health and safety, don't they? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Uh, for me, I think it's a fantastic grounding. Education, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, some of the players, you want to throw the boots back at them, whose yeah. boots you're cleaning, but a lot of them were very appreciative yeah. of what you're doing. I used yeah. to have to knock on the, the dressing room door yeah. before you went in. You didn't just walk in as yeah. a young kid else. I think, you, I think it was Mickey Gray was saying to me, he wasn't actually allowed in the dressing room, the first team dressing room, at any point until he was named in the squad. Uh, no, you don't, you don't, in, I'm talking about training Monday to Friday. Mm. You did not go in the dressing room until if those players were in there, you knocked right. or you waited until they were all gone. Right, and okay. then you went in and got the boots. But if you wanted to go in or had to go in and get the kit, yeah. you just knocked on the door. That was like polite. I just need to come in and get the kit. On on the flip side of that, what do you make of the? I was actually going to go on to ask you about the way that young players are looked after now is surely better than it was then. There's not as much harassment, intimidation, bullying, that kind of stuff. Now, I understand there's, I suppose, two schools of thought. One is that they, they want to toughen you up because it's a harsh world out there mm. to play in front of all those people. You've got to be thick-skinned. But the other school of thought is that you've got to really look after these kids because they are kids. I mean, not a lot of that sort of seems to go on as much now. They seem to be a lot better looked after. No, I mean, there's we're hearing... Of late, aren't we, over the last, particularly I would say over the last two or three years of a lot of cases of within football, uh, particularly from players who initially were scared to come forward very, very young, being yeah. bullied by yeah. coaches. That's not acceptable. Did you witness that happening? Um, I have, I've never witnessed it, right. uh, I must admit. But then it, for me, it then becomes part of, so... What is bullying? Mm. You know, if if it's different it, for different it, people, presumably. Diff- yeah, yeah, and also there's a different level. So, you know, I, you would often be the coach would often be effing and blinding at you yeah. or shouting at you. Yeah, maybe make you go and try on trying on your own. Mm. No, that could be classed as bullying. Mm. I wonder if it's, so, if it's partly to do with the fact that there's at the top clubs, particularly now. The, the academies are so multicultural now, so international. Yeah. So there's but different love, cultures, I, different I, things. In yeah. a way, I love what's now happening. I wish when I was a kid, if I could have got picked up at, let's say, five, six, seven, eight, 
I don't know, I, I'm not even sure what age they, they start at, yeah. but such a young, young age. If I could go in, if I was picked up to go into a club and have what I class as professional coaching. Yeah. I mean, you know, I was never taught to be two-footed. No. I mean, I used to go out in the garden or in the park on my own, mm. bashing a ball against the wall. But someone's saying to you, you've got to be two-footed now. You've mm. got to do this. This is what we're trying to do. Mm. The, you know, the, By the time you were picked up by Birmingham, you had no professional coaching no, at all? No, none at all. No. Nothing at all. I mean, I said to you, I was I was literally playing. Most of my football was with my uh, local village team, mm. uh, and then I play on. Uh, and then on a Sunday uh, morning, I played for a, a a team in a Sunday league team in in uh, in the Neaton as well. So I had right. no no coaching. Uh, and I suppose when you hit sixteen, seventeen, a lot of top coaches would say it's quite late to be introducing new things to yeah. people at that point. Yeah, exactly. So that's why now I'm you thinking I'd love to have been got yeah. in at that age. And then but I, I suppose the flip side and for me it's probably more for the parents to deal with is that's the start. Yeah. You know, um and you've got to guide your son daughter along this journey almost letting them know along the way that <laughs> How do you do? How do you tell somebody that you're probably not gonna succeed? Yeah. You're not gonna succeed, yeah. you know. But I always say to to young kids when they talk to me is is success is not about being at one of one of the the big clubs. Success is being pushing yourself to get to the highest level that you can get to, yeah, particularly yeah. if you want to with any sport. Yeah. So if in terms of football, if your level is non-league nation, you know the, the national league yeah then if that's if you've done everything you can to get to that level yeah then you've achieved your yeah, you've yeah. achieved your you've achieved your goals so yeah. it's the same in life really isn't it you yes, try your best yeah. and do whatever you can and some yeah. people you know achieve amazing things and some people you know don't as much but they get the best out of it that they can yeah yeah and I, but i think from what i would say is from the young players that get the opportunity don't waste it. No. Don't throw it away. Mm. It, it can, as quick as it's given to you, don't worry about it. It goes comes fast. to Rufus. Yeah. yeah, it goes fast, but it can, it can, if it can be taken away from you very, very quickly. In lots of different well. ways as In well. In lots of ways. Yeah. Not being good enough. Injury. Injury. Mm. Uh, attitude. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Men mental strength. Yeah. You know, which we haven't even touched on in football is, particularly at the very, very top level is... So so key to mm. to being able to stay at, at the top level for so long. When when you in eight, in nineteen eighty seven, of course, you left Wimbledon and moved to Arsenal on the George Graham to take on probably one of the easiest gigs in football, uh, a long term replacement for Kenny Santum, who <laughs> who was captain of Arsenal at the time. I think England's most capped left back as well. Mm. Uh, and they said, Nigel, you're the man for this job. Can you please come in and do it? How did you feel about that at the time? Uh, I didn't really think about it, if I was quite honest. Right. I probably wouldn't have signed if I didn't really. <laughs> yeah. Once I knew, um, because what had happened was, not a lot of people, I don't talk about it a lot, that is two weeks before that, I'd gone to Chelsea for talks. Oh, right. Yeah. Uh, they wanted to, to sign me, but that all fell apart. Why, I, have, that, I have no, I have no idea. Who was the coach at the time? Uh, I can't even remember back. I blank it out so much. Okay, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You'll have to look back. I tend to find in life that with with me is that um, if things don't go well, the best way to deal with it is to 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 block it out, move past it. Think of the you know 
but mm. then I relate to I, I still I always relate to being released at Birmingham that's the only thing I mm. look for in terms of if I want to try and then achieve something yeah that to really push me to that but I went I can't I actually can't even remember if if I'm honest with you who it was, was who it was, was there at the time for the Chelsea fans listening who are shouting at their radio now yeah. it was uh, John Hollins yeah I, I was just going to say I yeah. think it was John Hollins but it wasn't John Hollins I I, I dealt with right, when okay. I went I went uh, when I went there so they just went they just went cold on that today and yeah, yeah. I assume so or did maybe, you have an agent or maybe I asked for too much money yeah. no, I went on my own did you yeah 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 I went on my own I took a little bit of advice as as you do um, but you know I'm. It just that just, and actually, I think maybe a few days after that, they signed Tony Dorigo. Okay, yeah. So, um, so they were obviously iron up as both. Yeah, and maybe he was a better option at the, right. at the time. And then, literally after that, I got a call from Sam Haman. Who did was, you really? Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Chairman of They've Wimbledon at, the time. Wimbledon at yeah. the time. Who's uh, someone I got on really well with, mm-hmm. and uh, he said, "Oh, we've uh, accepted a fee from Arsenal, and you need to get yourself over there mm. uh, and and uh, meet up with with George Graham." And once I went, went walked into those marble halls, everyone talks about that. Yeah, and George's yeah, office and the big door, uh, the big door, yeah, yeah, and the intimidation of desk of sitting in front of him, uh, and everything I was going to say and everything I wanted was just gone within an instant <laughs> was it yeah. just, just like everything yeah. was blur yeah and it was like i did i can't even remember how much they offered me and then it was like oh i'm just gonna sign it's yeah. just this is just where i want to be was it really like yeah, impressive yeah. Just, yeah so did you, I, you didn't have any affinity with arsenal before that no no you, none of your family supported uh, them or anything or? no i think my the words when i uh spoke to my mum and dad about because uh, my mum's so passionate about football hmm and when I said to a mum, it looks like I got an opportunity to sign for Arsenal. Mm. Why Arsenal? <laughs> really? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, why? I was like, no, it's just, it just feels like I've got this. It's just, it's just a massive club. Yeah. When you walk into those mm. uh, marble halls, it's just, mm. it was just sort of. So it was an easy like, decision for you then? Oh, yeah. 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 It's the next level. Well, it's not yeah. even the next level. It's. Yeah. The level of where I, yeah, yeah, it's it's, you're going to one of the very, very best. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rose, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. 
For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. What was first day of training like at Arsenal? Uh, intimidating. Uh, sort of back into my shell a little bit, I think. And then realisation that, I'm going to have to tra- change my training methods. <laughs> Did you have uh, a method at that point? <laughs> uh, well, the, well, the method was to take it as easy as possible. <laughs> yeah. But when you've got Kenny Sampson in front of you and you're yeah. at a new club, yeah, uh, a big, big club, yeah. Um, you know that's not going to go down too well as a new as a new boy. And Big George wouldn't have stood for that anyway. Uh, George wouldn't have stood for that, no. no. And I found for six months, to be to be honest with you, I found it really difficult. Right, I found it really hard. Uh, was it noticeable whole, to step up in quality and training and yeah, the rest of it? Uh, yeah, yeah. The the quality was the and the way things were done was so different. But I think the the biggest thing for me is when I always look back was I missed the atmosphere on a match day. Right. You know, going to play for the for the reserves at Arsenal. There's a couple mm. of hundred people there, maybe a thousand if you're lucky. Mm. And I couldn't deal with it. Right, there was no there was no atmosphere. It felt as if it was a bit of a meaningless game. Yeah. Um, so your, your intensity, your intense kind of character, couldn't couldn't deal to it. No, I, I couldn't. You know, although I'm, you know, I know where the end goal is for me is to get into that first team. Mm. But those six months were so difficult, mm. and I questioned many occasions to myself whether I'd made the right decision. Right. But the club itself, in terms of walking in, I knew it was the right club. Mm. But just the trying to adapt to what I'd class as playing reserve team football, mm. uh, different way, of tra- obviously different way of training for not only intensity, but the way that the, I had to push myself to train. Uh, I think was a, was, I was a, a, was a culture lesson, if you like, to start yeah. with. And then I just got that break after six months. Do you think, do you think I'm, I might not be good enough here? They might I didn't, no, I didn't think I wasn't good enough. I, I was questioning whether I could actually mentally see it through right. to be able to get the opportunity to play in the first team because that's right. all I was interested in sure uh, and then I started to get one or two opportunities George had decided to put me in at, at uh, right back was Viv Anderson playing there at the time? Uh, no uh, I think Mickey Thomas had been oh, was he? Okay. yeah Mickey Thomas had been playing there okay. um, Viv had gone Viv had oh, already okay. left uh, okay. and then what had happened was George had started to get rid of the more senior players obviously yeah. Kenny was still there Graham Ricks was there Steve yeah. Williams was there but he was starting to sort of try and move these players on but I, I got in at uh, got in at, at right back that was an education in itself for someone that didn't use yeah. his right foot did you enjoy that? Uh, yes and no but when you say Nigel when you say you didn't use your right foot for people listening who will never play professional football <clears throat> as well as I would never play professional football what level are we talking about here? Because when you say it, you say it like your right foot. It's like a golf club and it's just a swinger. Seriously, you had some kind of basic ability with your right foot, for sure. Uh, not a lot. Really? If I'm honest. Yeah, yeah. It's just <clears throat> something I stood on. But I was so confident in... You left. In, with, no, I was so confident in my ability. Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, and yeah, my, obviously, I'm so strong on my left compared to the right. Yeah. <laughs> There's just no comparison. I, I had no coaching. Yeah. So... To try and to try and change it. I mean, I used to go out and 
as I said to you, I used to go out and practice right foot at home on my, on my own. Yeah. But it's just it's just as if the brain wouldn't click. Could you not ping a straight ball down the line with your right foot then? Uh, probably not, no. Well, that's crazy. The people yeah. listening will find that crazy because yeah. yeah, you had was. such a great career. Yeah, well... Be- at left back. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then George said, oh, like, I'm going to play right back. Right. Yeah, it is bizarre. Did you do all right there? Um, yeah, I, I must have done all right because yeah. I played a fair few games. I played for the rest of that season. At, I, occasionally, when George left Kenny out, I switched over to left back mm. and then I went back to right back. So I played mm. four or five games at right back and then mm. switched to switched to left back for a game uh, until the start of that following season when Kenny was gone. Mm. And then really that was my opportunity. Mm. And then we started to really do with George, the new back four coming together. We started to do a lot of work. Mm. Was David O'Leary there still at the time? David O'Leary yeah. was still there, yeah. yeah. T- Tony was there, Steve Bold came in. Was David O'Leary playing sort of holding the field, then drop into the No, no, we did or? no David we we did a uh, Dave was sort of in and out, in and out of the team. We did a, we we did a lot of work with a back four. We yeah. occasionally went to a back five. Yeah. Dave would come in there yeah, into yeah. that back five, right in the middle, because he was good on good on the ball. Yeah. Um. So, but mainly we did a lot of work, just back four movement yeah. together. Yeah. Distances between each other, keeping the distances the same, whether you went side to side or forwards or backwards. Yeah. You know, it's it, simplicity. Uh, but George was relentless on it. I mean, we spent hours and hours out on a pitch without a ball on the ground. Right. Just the four of us walk, going through and walking through positions. It's curious I, that, isn't it, Nigel? Because George Graham wasn't like that as a player, was he? Uh, no, but uh, I think he knew what he wanted as a manager. Yeah. Uh, he was. I mean, he was way before my time, but he was kind of a mercurial midfield player-ish, was he? Yeah. He well, wasn't a defender, of, was he? No, no, no. no. He's attacking player. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, they used to call him the stroller, didn't they? Yeah. So yeah, that tells so its own story. That tells it? its own story. <laughs> yeah, it? yeah. Uh, so maybe he thought, well, mm, eleven of those in a team's not going to get <laughs> no, too. No, he's not going to get too far. No, but his attention to detail was incredible. Yeah, 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 Un- unbelievable. Uh, and I think he realised with the senior players, he would never get, be able to do what he wanted to do. Mm. And he brought in younger players, hungry players. Mm a lot of them from lower leagues as well to start with mm. and then mixed it up a little bit with a lot of the sort of youth players that were coming coming through. Mm. Uh, you like some, you know, Tony was there, Mickey Thomas there, Dave Rocastle, Merce mm. was there. Mm. They brought in Alan Smith. Yeah. Um, so I, I think George had a clear idea and a vision of where who he wanted and and where he wanted the team to go in terms of playing style and, and how he wanted to push the club forward. And Arsenal hadn't won a league title since 1971 and then Nigel Winterburn comes in and just two short years later, I think it was, you get a league title under your belt. Yeah, it's pretty... Is that is that, is that a coincidence or...? Um, well, if, if I was big-headed, I'd say no, wouldn't I? But yeah. no, I mean, it's just the sheer... I think it was the sheer hard work that we'd put into the team, the players that had come in, formation that we were playing. We were relentless. We were hungry. Mm. We had a great togetherness within that uh, that team uh, we almost blew it we should have won the league before that yeah two or three two or three games before that I think we well we did we, did. we drew with Wimbledon uh, which was the first time I'd ever used my right foot and scored <laughs> right yeah uh, and then you played uh, every game that season you didn't you I don't know if I played every game but close close, close to, to it, I don't yeah. look back at records do you not okay. no not not really um 
Do you I remember, mean, for example, who your debut was for Arsenal against? Uh, yeah, it was. Um, well, actually, my 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 the debut. I actually came on for Niall Quinn. I was a sub, right? And Niall Quinn went on as a sub, hmm. and we lost to Southampton at home, and hmm. then. Quinny got subbed as a sub and did I it? went on for him and I actually played on the left wing for about 15 minutes. Why did Niall get subbed? I have no sub? idea. You don't question George. You just, <laughs> do, okay, you just right. do as you're told. Okay, right. And anyway, I wanted to play so yeah, I wasn't too worried at the time and then uh, my first full day was Port, Portsmouth, Portsmouth away. Oh yeah, Fratton uh, Park. That's the yeah, team I support. Yeah, so, what was uh, that like? Uh, yeah, it was, well, it's your what I class as your full de- debut, isn't it? Some place so, to do it as well because yeah. noisy down there, isn't it? Yeah, in. it's good at good at. There's certain stadiums you want to go and play at if you could regular mm. because how t- intimidating it was. But the noise, you know, mm. that's that sort of as for me, it sort of tests you as a as a player as mm. as, as well. So um, yeah, it was, and then obviously going on the way that we won the league mm. at, at Anfield with the circumstances around that. What's your memory of that moment? Um, well, as I said to you, I remember listening to uh, Liverpool playing uh, West Ham mm. when the goals were all flying in. The realisation that we've got to go to Anfield on the last game of the season and win. Mm. And in the end, I had to turn the radio off because I was thinking, if they score again here, we've got to, not only it got to two, and we're thinking, so it's gone from, we've got to win. And then all of a sudden, I'm listening to it, we've got to win by two. Mm. And then I'm thinking, if they score again, win by three goals at Anfield. Not happening. Not, even twos, just like people saying, you crackers, you, it's yeah. just never going to happen. Yeah. Uh, but, so, yeah, history tells you that we yeah. we did. So I just turned the radio off and uh, put it back on, teletext later on, hmm. and uh, see that uh, scoreline finished the same. So we had to win by t- two goals. But that the build-up to that game was just incredible, where we hmm. took the flowers out before the game. Yeah. The noise inside there was yeah. electrifying. Yeah, uh, against a really strong Liverpool team that very rarely lost at home. Yeah, uh, I don't think many people expected us to win. To be to be quite no. honest, Perry Groves said it when I asked him. It was all about his decoy run for the winner. Um, That's typical Perry, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's all about Perry. Isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> He's big enough, bold enough to, to tell everybody it's about him. Yeah, right. So that must have been an incredible experience, obviously, to win the league, and and the celebrations were were pretty good, were they? Yeah, I can't remember them. So really? okay. they, were, they, were, they were. Everyone keeps telling me that. Well, they certainly lasted for for uh, a, a few days. That, that's for sure. What do you? How do you look back on the the so called drinking culture at Arsenal at that time? It was just part of football. We were no different, I don't think, to any other team. Why do you think more was made of it? Because of because of what Tony's come out and said yeah, afterwards? Yeah, I think so. Because of what happened with Tony, uh, through him going into prison as well. Um, yeah. You know, he's set up his his charity as well. Mm. Um, and with what happened to him, such a high-profile high player. Mm. Uh, as as well, but I don't I don't believe we were any different to most Premier League teams. Mm. I simply don't think we could have been. Else, I don't think you you would. It's almost like looking today and picking a team and going right. All those are going to go out and and drink all through the week, mm. and the rest are just going to be in the modern world. Mm. And then you go and compete against them and tell me that they'll they'll win the league. Mm. I just it, it just wouldn't happen. Yeah. I just don't your fitness levels was just wouldn't happen. So a lot of a lot of teams were doing it. But what I will say to you to, to is that it 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 gave us a great team spirit. Mm. 
It pulled us together. You know, do I think that we were doing anything wrong? No, we weren't because we didn't have a game the next next day. Mm. I know Tony's talked about a lot of stuff that he did in the lead up to the games, but I simply don't know whether that was true because I, I wasn't around. But we mm. went, you know, Tuesdays we went out drinking, but mm. we were usually off on Wednesday. Mm. So Couldn't do it now though, could you? No, I don't think you could. Mm. No. No, I don't, I don't. I don't think you could do it. We, I just talked about that. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. you know, a lot of like, do the guys still have a drink? Yes, they do. Mm. Do they have a drink to the level that uh, some of the guys in my team that I was playing with drink? No, okay. <laughs> certainly okay. not. Not even I was drinking at that level. Yeah. The game's changed a lot since anyway. Yes, it has. Yes, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, and your England debut came around this time. Was it in the lead up to the World Cup in nineteen ninety? Must be a proud yeah, moment. I got you. a, I got a. Uh, Bobby Robson was called. I got a call up to uh, and came on a sub against Italy. Yeah. Um. So that was a very, very uh, proud moment f- mm. uh, for me. And uh, I mean, I only made two appearances for England, two subs, and the other one was against was against uh, Germany. So two fantastic teams. Mm. I think I knew. Uh, if you like, along my journey in professional football and, and particularly with Arsenal because if you're going to succeed on the international stage, mm. then it's going to be while you, you're playing at your club yeah. and your club's very successful. And, and I think I knew very, very quickly that I wasn't going to get a lot of caps for England. How did you, well, just, because of Stuart Pearce? And... Stuart Pearce was there and always seemed to be, they always seemed to pick someone as, as a backup ahead of me. Tony Dorigo a lot. Tony Dorigo was there, then Graham Lasseau yeah, sort of, of came, came yeah. along. So in the end, if I'm honest, I never even... I, uh, to start with, when we really started to do well at Arsenal, um, then obviously I was waiting for the squad to come out with a bit of anticipation to think, yeah. oh, God, I've got to have a chance of getting into the squad yeah. this time. Yeah, And then you, I didn't get in. And Did then, you get annoyed? Upset? Uh, or what you? Annoyed? No, just frustrated. Yeah. Um, but then I, I didn't even look for the squads. Right, I didn't even I didn't even bother looking. Did you still not... support England. Oh yes, yeah, 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 yeah. and yeah. I'm so proud of making two appearances. One yeah. for I think it was twenty odd minutes, and one for forty five minutes. Yeah, <laughs> you know, there's still two caps for England that people would dream about. Yeah, you never take that away from you. Yeah, no, exactly. I would. Exactly. Uh, no, I would. You know, but and what and I always say when people say to what about regrets, and I'm saying if I could have just started one game for England, that would have yeah. been my. No, yeah. that's what I wanted to do Yeah, just to show you're good enough to play if you're not you can accept it but getting 22 minutes and 45 yeah. minutes you're really not going to you just a bit unlucky that. right because you were obviously yeah I mean enough. I played yeah. in a period where I mean I played with Stuart at West Ham as well he yeah. went in as a third centre half and I played mm. uh, left wing back mm. I mean it's tremendous even when we're talking about the ages that we joined Yeah, I mean his passion and desire was similar to mine mm. And so you know, you stand when someone's got the similar things to you. There's no messing. Yeah, you know, you t- you stand up and you look at those guys. So you think you're quite his peak. So you weren't you weren't looking at Stuart Pearce, obviously thinking, God, I'm much better than him. You were just no, thinking, no, this is fair no, and I, you don't. You never judge. Yeah. I would never judge somebody like that. So you, in the end, it was quite clear that uh, the managers that were in charge of England at that time. Uh, preferred another player to you. In mm. fact, two because there was usually two left backs in the yeah, squad. Yeah. Uh, and well, it's hard to accept. Mm. You just have to try and get on with it. And then the best way that I dealt with for me dealing with it was that I didn't even look at the squads. Right. Okay. And that's that's just the way that I just sort of put it to the back of my mind. And but 
you know, the, the most important thing for me was you were in professional football and I was at Arsenal I'm playing at a high level. Yeah. I physically cannot do any more. No. So if somebody doesn't fancy you as yeah. a player, so it's little you can... There's no you know, point worrying little, about something you, can, you haven't got control over. You basically. haven't got control over it. Yeah. Now, I'm playing as well as I can play, as long as I'm doing everything I can do to be... Yeah. Uh, to be where I want to be, then, mm. uh, then you you can't worry if somebody doesn't like you or doesn't yeah. doesn't doesn't pick you for a squad because it can just drive you mad. Um, I remember asking um, Ray Parler a similar question. He was rather less charitable than you've been. So good on you for for being philosophical about it. I think Ray was upset about not being in the World Cup in '98 in a big uh, way because because you guys have won the double that or they they had won the double that year. Yeah, but was I think Ray had been involved in the squads. Leading up to it, leading yeah, up yeah, to it, where right. I've never really been involved. Right, okay. So, so a it's, a, it's, yeah. it's a bit different. If well, if I'd have been part of the England team and I'd have been left out the final cut, squad, yeah, 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 cut at the final squad, yeah. then oh, I think I might have been yeah, a little yeah. bit more bitter. Fair enough. But I never felt that my England career really took off. Right. So I've got no reason to be bitter. Yeah. Okay. Or you know, just a little. There was a little bit of frustration there, mm. but. But, oh well, you know it's oh well, that's life. It's not, um, not too terrible, is it? No, it's not. It's not, and and uh, fair enough. O- on your on on your famous intensity again, I wanted to ask you about that big bust up against Man United, where you kind of flew in and got a kick in the head for your trouble as well. I think. Well, that was. How do you feel? How do you feel about that now, looking back on it? Uh, laugh. Do you? Yeah, yeah. yeah it's part of. It was part of the game, wasn't it? It's. Um, I mean, you're putting was... a marker down there, aren't you, in a big game? Yeah, but I think the build-up to it was before that and Brian McClare had missed a penalty in a cup game at At Highbury. At Highbury. I thanked him for it. He didn't like it. Yeah. Uh, And then it sort of... It, it sort of kicked off a little bit from there. Then in the next few games, there just happened to be an incident. I mean, people talk about it and say, it's like, you started it. Well, mm. that's fair. If Yes, if you want to say that, mm. you know, that's if that's what people want to say, it's fine. But I think for me... It was the intensity between, I've talked about it quite a bit, the two teams. Mm. Manchester United were the team. Mm. They were the top team. They had the top players. They were the team winning everything. And I was in an Arsenal team that was coming up that a couple of times challenged them, overtook them, uh, and then they came back at us. The rivalry was like two juggernauts going head Mm. to head. And not one of those two teams was going to budge. Yeah, okay. You know, they both believed they were the best. Yeah. This was in 91 uh, when you uh, won the league again, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. And then that's the incident there where we lost the, the points. Yeah. Uh, was the tackle. That's at, right. Yeah. Uh, on Dennis. Someone uh, takes a right swing for you after that. I think they kick I you think, in the back of the head. Yeah, I think, um, I think Paul Ince gave me a little kick. Yeah. To be quite honest, I was lying on the ground and I think Paul Ince gave me a kick. Someone else might give me a little kick. Hmm. But I mean, if we got back in dressing rooms, I was laughing about right, it. Yeah. It's like, yeah. So none like, of this spilled over into sort of everyday life then? You didn't... You, I couldn't... No, I mean... You, if you saw one of them in the street, walking down the street, you would I'd go and say hello. Right, okay. I mean, I don't know how they would react, but yeah. it's part of it's part of football where, for me, it was like we you almost try and intimidate the opposition to forget about how good they are. Yeah. And try and put them off their game a little bit. Yeah. I wanted to be... I wanted to, to win. You try and keep it within the laws of the game yeah um, but you know. Nigel when I look at it now I mean obviously I watched it I watched a lot of stuff in preparation for this it's quite interesting because uh, I'm 38 so I've, I I remember that vaguely um, but when you watch it now when you're so used to watching Premier League football in 2019 it's it's kind of shocking 
Uh, yeah, but it's it was... very intense and very aggressive and very physical. Yeah, but I'm not saying it's wrong. No, no, I think, but I think then there was a lot more of those incidents in football. Mm. Uh, does it set a good precedent for 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 kids? No, it doesn't. Mm. But I think sometimes you, as everyone talks about, the red mist comes over. Yeah, the intensity of the game, you lose. I've said it on many, many occasions. I've gone home. I think in my whole career, I think I've been involved in maybe two, maybe three incidents when I've gone home after the game and thought, you absolute idiot. Really? Why did you get involved in that? Yeah. And as you say, anybody that, like, anybody that knows me really well will say, what were you doing? That's just not you. Yeah. But then when they know what I'm like when I play football, they <laughs> yeah. go, I see why you were involved yeah. in that. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. sort of a bit like, yeah. but when it's just like I'm a different, I'm a different person. And I look yeah. at home and I see that, and I look at it and I think, why did you do that? You why? didn't get sent off for that, did you? Uh, Yellow. You can't get. Yeah, how can you get sent off for getting booted in the back? Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. It's just a mistimed chat. It was nothing malicious. No, it's quite I a mean, bad my, tackle. Though. It looked made. made in those days, was it a bad tactic? No, Maybe I don't not. think it Maybe was. Not. But if you looked at it today, people would go, well, that's a red card. Mm. But the mm. game's different now. Yeah, you course. can't judge. No, of course not. You can't judge the game that. now from now to how we, 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 we play. So And there was a big brawl afterwards and there, there were fines a big, and all sorts. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was a, it was, well, I think we lost two, maybe two points. Right. I think Man United lost a point. I can't, I can't remember now. Yeah. But... Um, but yeah, I mean, it was yeah. I mean, it's not something you really want to be involved in. But if you think about, if you realise the intensity of those games, mm. and like as I said, to you United were the team. We wanted to be that team. Mm. It's going to flare up occasionally because two two big teams believe in they're, they're the oh, best. Yeah, and yeah, of the, and, the, and as I say on many, many occasions, that intensity continued long after I left. Yeah, it did. So I can't take all the blame. No, absolutely I'll take not. the start of it, but I'm not taking the end. <laughs> okay, all right, that's fair enough. Well, um, so when, when I want to fast forward now to when Arsene Wenger joined Arsenal yeah. because you, are, you have the kind of interesting honour of playing under a coach like Dave Bassett and then playing under someone at the opposite end of the spectrum in Arsene Wenger. And you've spoken quite a lot, actually, about what it was like when Wenger came in and how different it was. I mean, you said, I absolutely loved his training methods. I thought they were fantastic. They were quite intense. Everything was on the clock. And if everything was done for a reason, it felt like a new start for everybody. And a lot's made of how Arsene Wenger revolutionising this football really not just at Arsenal but mm. in the Premier League when you were so up close and personal to that how does it feel to you looking back on it? Um, well a lot of people talked to me about what he did obviously a lot of people latched on to stopping the drinking culture like yeah. so around the games the bar was closed the players lounge was no no beer and nothing but uh, and then changing all the dietary uh, requirements of the players the things that are like boiled chicken plain fish how, how receptive to you to that were you at the time? Um, that sort of thing, if I'm honest, didn't bother me. Right. Uh, because it was there at the training ground. But when I went home, I ate basically what I wanted right. to eat. I'm not, you know, listen, I've got a sweet tooth. I, yeah. You're I like, quite a good Nick now, to be yeah, fair. Yeah, no, so but I like, I like cakes. But other, other Arsenal players I've asked have said, do you know what? He put years on my career. I yeah, got... I th- for me, I always talk about the training. It was a freshness. It was a different. It, the you know short and sharp intense and when a manager comes and you and, and it's so simple in a way you do a pre-season training session six weeks and you put the running on and and what Arsene Wenger did is he'd split you into small groups 
And let's uh, let's say we were doing four or eight hundred meter runs, or even a hundred meter runs. Mm. He, he he put those players into groups, and then you were on a scale as you went down. So obviously, I was in the last group, the oldest group, right. And what he would do is he would adjust your time mm. to the distance you had to cover. Right, okay. So his reasoning was that is is if, let's say, I'm 33, 34, 35, mm-hmm. and you're asking me to run at the same pace as Vieira, Henri, mm. at their age, mm-hmm. then I'm obviously working so much harder than they are working. So it doesn't make any sense, basically. So it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. We all want to be at the same level through the pre-season going into the first game mm. yeah. level mm. at peak fitness. Mm. If I'm having to work so much harder than those guys, I'm probably going to be over-peaked. I'm going to be yeah. shattered by the time that maybe even the first game comes, but halfway through the season, I'm going to be maybe blown out. And he gave you a football as well in pre-season. Uh, yeah, it makes a surprise playing football. You get, yeah, we yeah. did a lot of... But that's did, traditionally, you wouldn't have had that. No, no, we used to do... I mean, Wimbledon, we'd do 10 days, maybe even two weeks, solid running without a ball. Yeah. I mean, first, when Arsenal, even with George Graham, mm. we did maybe a week, we did very little touch football. Mm. Um Arsenal first training session was so light it was incredible first day and in the afternoon out on the pitch the balls are all out there and everyone was like what the heck's going yeah, on here yeah, yeah. but it's just yeah so it's just but we did we did do some of the running was based around your position uh, what you were trying to achieve in your position but high intensity with the ball so little short passes little bursts and then finishing with for me like with a cross into the box for a forward to finish mm. which is after you've done a little bit of intense work mm. can you produce the quality of the cross mm. to for, for the for the finish for the for the forward so for me it was just like a breath of fresh air I was just like were you, were you cynical of his background when he first came over I, di- I, I didn't care less Right. Well, I think if, if you ask most players about when managers come and go from a football club, if they're ruthless, and most of them are, yeah. is yes, they might be quite, in a way, I don't say sad, but disappointed the manager's left. Yeah. But once a new manager comes in, the focus for that player is make sure you're in the team. Yeah. You but know, if, but, if, be... if, but if, he, if he came in and he was a massive letdown, he never actually won you over with his methods and stuff. Presumably, you're not going to. Well, you're, you're well, care. you're not going to respond to it, but you're probably going to find yourself out the door very quickly as well. Yeah. So, but I just, to me, it was it was just so different to what I'd I'd been used to. Yeah. Uh, and as I say to you, the the all the dietary things along the way, you, you just you just sort of fall into that a, a, a little bit, and a lot of the stuff. Uh, you know, used to, people talk about the pills and different things we used to take. I I never used to take anyway because um, I had such a uh, a bad stomach. I never I never took took half half of that stuff. Right. And, okay. and the thought of uh, someone in uh, putting some vitamins, injecting some vitamins into me with, <laughs> with a with a needle is the last thing. I oh, you don't want to know. Okay. Oh, but he didn't make you do it. No, no, no. He just the, you were you were told what they were. Yeah. It was there. And the doctor would tell you what they were. Or if there was tablets for recovery after, yeah. or different things, it was there. It was told what it was, and you were never ever pushed to to, mm. t- to take. It. I I I think I took one on the first day, and it was like a. Re- I think it was like some sort. Of, it was like for for aid in recovery, yeah. uh, and 
boy, oh boy, it was like, no, that's not for me. Not for you, okay. No. And it, so I never, I never took any of that. For me, it was the training. Yeah, okay. And solely the, the training. Yes, maybe the food while I was in and around the training ground and traveling and playing yeah. did help. But for me, I would say 100%. Training. Definitely training. And what about what did you make of some of the players that were brought to the club around that time? I know Bergkamp came a bit earlier, but I mean it must be amazing to be because you were what thirty three when he came in. Yeah, about push, that. pushing on. Yeah, so but it must have been amazing to to have all those players around as well. Yeah, I think once you see the quality, and I I talk about it quite a lot with the the, the quality of those players that come in. When you obviously didn't I didn't know a lot about them, but when you watch them train and play. I mean, he brought in really, the first players that he brought in was more of the attacking. You were hoping he wasn't bringing a left back in, right? Uh, I was praying. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I wasn't sure because there were some rumours going around that, that he'd been told that he needed to disband that the back four and right. start to re- to rebuild. But yeah. I think once you know Arsenevania, you yeah. know that he's his, he's his own man. He's not yeah. going to be told what to do. Did you get on well with him personally? I well? got on very well with him, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's an absolute gentleman. He yeah. just, you know, he hated confrontation. Yeah. Um, you know, and if if he left, he started to leave, obviously at the end, he started yeah. to leave me out of the team and yeah. he just wouldn't look at you. Really? Okay. He just named the team and he didn't want to look at you because he would knew you, that I'd be fuming. Would but, you not prefer him just to come and speak to you straight though? No, I think I, think I got to accept... Um, Accept what Arsenal was all about, right? And I and you're on board with it, and that yeah, yeah. I respected what he was trying to do. I accepted it. I, I say I was accepting it, and I wanted to fight against it yeah. in terms of level of performance. Yeah, but I accepted what and his reasonings were for why he was trying to do what he was trying to do. So you can't check, you can't question his record either, really. Can no, you, you no, no, time. you can't. But no, and also when you bring in, you know, Anelka, yeah. Petit, Vieira, yeah. Over Mars, yeah, uh, and then Enrique comes along. What was that like in training? It's just sensational. <laughs> yeah. That's just when you see these guys play, yeah, and you're thinking, well, as a back four, we know we can do what we need to do, yeah, and then you see these guys coming in in front of you, yeah, it's just like I'll just give them the ball and yeah. let them get on it, on with it. That was my philosophy in, in playing anyway. I was so super confident in what I, I could do defensively, yeah. And I just say, right, my job's to win the ball, give it to someone more creative than me. And that was my philosophy in life in playing football. You didn't have a problem with that? Oh, no. why? Well, because I think some people have a inflated opinion of themselves with their professional well, footballers. And, no? No, I, ability-wise, I was probably be many, many players ahead of me, but it depends mm. how you class ability. If, you, if you're classing your ability on defence, defending, mm. then I class myself very very high in terms of because I've got to believe I am the best in yeah. my position Yeah. Uh, but in terms of skill if you want to look at it in a different way yeah. uh, I just kept it kept it simple Yeah. win the ball I know I can win the ball yeah. I'll, I'll back myself one against one with anybody Yeah. I don't always win those battles but I, you'll back yourself and then when you win the ball just pass it five yards to someone simple why do you have to you, you, you become then you become respective from your teammates that you know what job he's going to do. Week mm. in, week out, he's just going to do the same job for you. Mm. And I think that's how basically my, my 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 career was built. Do you think that's why you're popular with fans as well? Because you're honest, hardworking, intense, uh, and I'd, gave it all? I'd like to think so. Yeah. Yeah. Fans, uh, fans like that, don't they? Yeah, they want to see... I think they want to see someone that's <coughs> passionate about their club. Is that what you want to see as a fan now? 
Uh, and skill. Yeah. I want to see it all. Mm-hmm. Okay, skill right. level is, is different now. The game is not as much ta- tackling. Mm. The game's quicker because the condition of the pitches. Yeah. But, yeah, I want to see... I want to see... Well, I want to see someone that can do... In the position that they're playing, mm. can do their job to the highest of their ability, mm. but doesn't also forget about that the other side of the job is their work rate and, the, and their... Uh, obligation if you like to help their teammates out defensively as well and, and if I, I see someone with slightly less ability but is doing that at times I want to I'd like to see them in, in the team as well yeah okay and I, I want to ask you about play with a legend because you do a bit of that now where people can organise events and they can play with legendary players such as yourself and I yeah. if I may call you a legendary player while you're here I don't want to embarrass you but... you could call me what you like <laughs> <laughs> but I'm, I'm kind of scared to now because I think are you as intense on play with a legend as you are as uh, you yes are you really okay yeah yeah, yeah. are so um, you barking orders are you, are you hassling uh, people just trying to uh, so, we, so we, when you play with a legend obviously you're playing with uh, a group of guys Obviously, it's usually a, it might be a, a stag or a birthday. Yeah. It may even be corporate. Yeah, yeah. And it's usually around what, put one person. So, you know, that person obviously supports Arsenal, but the mm. rest of the guys are some support Arsenal. But you've got a load that support different teams. Mm. And you try when you come up. I just try when I'm in the teams. If we sometimes we'll swap teams as well. Yeah. Uh, and I just try and organise them, talk to them, just try and. Show them what it's like when you're playing at a professional uh, level. Do you like? Do you still enjoy it doing it? Uh, yes, yeah. uh, and particularly the better they are, the, yeah. the more you just love playing football, right? Yeah, yeah. The, the, the better they are, the more I like it. Particularly if they then think they want to try and show you a little bit, <laughs> then it becomes interesting. <laughs> okay, right. Yeah, so you, I, I play to their level, unless someone wants to get a bit cheeky. Any there. reducers go in if they need it? Uh, I don't think I've sort of would call what I've reduced someone, but I've. Left a little bit, <laughs> a couple of players who have left a bit on me yeah. first. Okay, right. So yeah, if they want to, okay, mix it a little bit. But then after we'll go and have a beer. Or we'll whatever. go and have a beer and a laugh about what's happened, and then just talk about different things people are interested to see. And then they find out that actually I'm probably a completely different person to, well, you to are the a, one that's yeah. that's uh, been perceived in by certain supporters. Yeah, but that's part of part of life, is it? That's personal part of being in professional sport a lot of people don't know me you're judged on what you do in your in your career in the so. public eye yeah well, um, how do you look back on your career Nigel and, and you're very proud of what you've achieved is yeah. there any regrets or anything like that uh, no I always say that I'm being lucky mm, privileged to mm. get to do something I wanted to do mm. uh, and hopefully didn't waste that opportunity mm. which I think some people do yeah but you haven't, definitely not, uh, yeah, well, 700 odd games or whatever it is, more than that probably. Um, yeah, there's a, lot, there's a lot. I don't, I don't. as I say to you, I don't know the, the, the exact figure because mm. I, I don't, I don't look and, mm. you know, it's just the case of, you know, I knew from my point of view is one was from that very, very first outset at Birmingham, getting the opportunity to be an apprentice, which could lead to being a professional player was the spark for me. That fueled you, yeah. And then from that bit, your aim is to be, I wanted to be the chosen player in my one position turned out to be left back. Yeah. I didn't know it was going to be left back, but that's where it it really evolved for me, is, is do everything that you can to be the number one pick for whatever manager you're playing in yeah. front of. And 
if I say, if I was very, very lucky yeah. throughout my career. Most of the time, apart from a couple of small periods, I usually became my first choice pick. Um, so that makes me that makes me very, very proud as well. But uh, yeah, I still love it. I, I still still go and watch. I'm still passionate about Arsenal and still want them to get back to where they were when I was playing mm. with the trophies we won, but also the teams that I went and watched after I'd finished, from, mm. you know, up to, two, you know, I left in 2000, but also from 2000, 2006 was was a sensational period for them. And then hopefully one day I'll be, be sitting there watching them, but they've got to get a move on because I'm 55 now. <laughs> <laughs> well, Nigel, you're a lovely, lovely man. I've enjoyed your company a great deal. Thank you very much for giving up your time today. No, it's a pleasure. Thanks for inviting me in. Thanks. This was a Stakhanov production. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, Drew Scott here, and I'm Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto. Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.